Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with Stevel and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 15, Crazy Sh- Wait, what did you, did you just cut out? I said Crazy Sh- Okay, got it. <laughs> you edited yourself, I get it. Uh, yeah, and uh, content warning, we're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes. You might not... Like all the words we use or the ideas we bring up, if you're sensitive about these things, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. It's okay. We still love you. See what I did there? How I uh, didn't I didn't use the S word before the content warning? Because I'm a goddamn uh, professional. Let's no, a GD professional. Let's just use uh, abbreviations or initials for like F and A, S. S in my mouth. Oh, okay. Etc. Yeah, let's see if we can. <laughs> let's see if we. <laughs> let's see if we can make this kid friendly today. Just, oh, I like just, it. I like so it because the episode's title is Crazy S. It's Crazy S. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we all have crazy friends. The ones who lead us on stupid adventures. What are the dumbest ones, and why do we always follow? Uh, certainly, as soon as as soon as uh, I read the notes for this morning's podcast. I immediately jumped into, I mean, this is a story I've told on my site. It's a a story that was on Yonder Journal, the website Yonder Journal, uh, that's run by my friend Kyle and Daniel. Uh, And Daniel, so a little little backstory, Uh, when I was working for Santa Cruz Bikes and I was still uh, trying to push the second version of Swobo along, Uh, Daniel reached out to me and he said, hey, I've been working with this English company called Rafa, which at that point I'd never heard of before. And he said they want basically like the adventure rides that Rafa ended up doing where they, you know, that turned into these like uh, artisanally documented uh, road rides through mountains and everybody was handsome and all the bikes were really nice and all the clothes Mm -hmm. were really nice and everybody Mm -hmm. looked, you know, like... uh, uh, super G'd and that was his concept the those rides were his concept and he uh, went on to <clears throat> put on a number of events and kind of massage Rafa into its current iteration but ironically the day I was fired from Swobo or rather the day I was invited uh, not to come to work anymore <laughs> He and I talked on the phone that afternoon and he's like, I was let go from Rafa today. Like the day that he was let go from Rafa, I was let go from Swobo. Mm. Um, but I, I, when he asked me if I wanted to take part in these big rides and you get bikes and clothes and stuff, I said, oh, I feel like it's kind of a little bit of a conflict of interest because I'm trying to get this other clothing company up and going. Uh, and anyway, he would do, he would put on these ridiculous rides and one in particular was, uh, for, or in conjunction with, uh, mission workshop of San Francisco had a 
they've got a clothing company that they launched called Acre Supply. And he said, we're going to go do this thing. We're going to ride 100 miles of single track from this town to this town. And it's during the government furlough. And it's it's like federal land and PCT trail. And this is going to be like wildly illegal. Um, and we had like questionable intel, but it seemed like the trail was there. Wildly so, illegal, questionable uh, intel. It, it was and it was during hunting season, okay? <laughs> and and because it's up in the Siskiyous in the the farthest reaches of Northern California, uh, it was October, I believe. So it was fall. It was hunting season. And there's a ton of uh, cartel stuff going on up there, like illegal weed operations where they oh, just yeah. shoot you without question and people disappear up there all the time. I love this story because it's it's you've got illegality, you've got a cartel, you've yeah. got hunters involved. Yeah. Is this was the are you just telling the plot of Mad Max? <laughs> it was so it was so sketchy. My later on my dad said, you know, in all the trips and all the weird stuff you've gotten into, like I've never worried about you. But this trip gave me a lot of pause and i said yeah i you know it didn't it wasn't a super good idea but i was with people that i trusted you know um and uh sure enough you know uh you know within like it was supposed to take three days and i think within the first day things started going just spectacularly wrong like just it was just bad and and so at the end of day three when we're supposed to be at the coast and in this town where we're supposed to meet this tow truck tow truck driver who's supposed to give us a ride back to where we started we get to the top of this ridge and you look out and you're like i i hope to god i can see the ocean because that'll mean that we're you know making some headway and you're up there and you're just looking at like hundreds of thousands of acres of mountains and no ocean it was it was so it was so bad i was in like by the time we were done everybody was totally shell-shocked i think we didn't make 100 miles i think it was 80 miles total Mm. and i would wager to bet that we pushed or carried or pulled our bikes 65 miles It was it was horrible. And the next year they said, hey, you want to go do this another trip? We're going to go like check out swimming holes or something like that. And I was like, nope, no, I don't ever want to do a trip with with you guys again, ever, ever. Do you think putting on the deer costume when you set out was a good move? Or <laughs> Well, I was the only one, ironically, because I was talking about, you know, I know people who've been mountain biking in areas where hunting season was was close and, and having been like had sound shots, you know, like Mm. a hunter hears a sound and shoots at it and they're (laughs) riding their bikes and they're, you know, ducking and yelling. And so I was talking about sound shots and Daniel's like, I don't know. I've I've never heard of sound shots. I was like, is anybody else wearing blaze orange? No, I'm the only one who's bringing any semblance of high vis anything on this. You wore high vis. I like, no, I just had a, I had a, uh, I just had a like a something strapped on one of my like my handlebar bag, uh-huh. and I, so, I grew up backpacking and I love mountain biking, but I've never I'd never done this both at the same time. And it turns out I don't like it at all. 
<laughs> you, are you telling me that you both invented and hate bike packing? <laughs> no, no, it was already a thing. I just tried oh, my hand. At it. I tried my hand at it, and it I didn't. It wasn't good. I mean, yeah. it was beautiful. It was beautiful, but man. If anybody who has spent any time in the Siskiyous would know, like it's haunted, you know, it's, Mm. there's a lot of kooky stuff that goes on up there, but it is like, we didn't see, we didn't see evidence of animals. We didn't see animals. We didn't see Mm. it. It was, it was heavy. It's, it's eerily quiet. And then at one point we got to this dead end. Like we just got into this Manzanita Grove and we're all, we can't go back and we can't go forward and the trail just stops you know, questionable mm. intel. Yep. And we we were like, what? What are we gonna do? Like, wait, we're, are we, do we live here now? Is this where we're gonna spend <laughs> the rest of our lives? And on our way out, we finally figured. Uh, Chris McNally was on the trip with us. Uh, he does a lot of the artwork for uh, Ibis. I don't know. He's a really he's a super brilliant artist. It turns out he's quite crafty in the in the outdoors as well. But he figured out which direction we needed to go. And on our way out, we find this little shanty shack. Like somebody made this little kook shack out, you know, on this trail. (laughs) And you see like an empty almond bag and there was a blue plastic cup. And I was like, Oh cool. Somebody just came out and like bivvied, you know? And then I realized upon further thought that no, somebody got super effing stranded out here, you know, like scary. And then I had I, to make shelter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, we were in the cuts. We didn't see <laughs> anybody. It's like Bigfoot, Bigfoot land for sure. So let me, let me ask you two questions. The first one um, is not important. And the second one is crucially important. Okay. The first question is, is it accurate? This is going back to the beginning of your story that you were invited on some of the first Rafa rides and you declined yes the invitation yeah be- because the idea that you would be in that gorgeous black and white espresso sipping moody <laughs> yeah. inferiority complex <laughs> spawning <laughs> yeah I, I well for sure i'm not i'm not beautiful enough you know i mean i think i find you raftastic ah oh, i appreciate that yeah i don't i Bro- never i got an underlayer one time uh, when Chris Stefano worked there, he sent me an underlayer and I wore it and it rubbed both of my nipples clean off of oh. my body. Nipple, and that's my only ex- remover. That's, that's my, that's that's my off-label only usage. It's <laughs> my only experience with Rafa clothing. Oh. I used to have nipples and then I wore Rafa and now I don't. Oh. I wouldn't use them anyway. So the what's nipples, your second, yeah. What's your the second, second question? question? The second question is... It sounds like the trip you did go on was very um, ill-conceived. You know, like, like I'm. Sh- I like the idea that a Gilligan's Island style um, thing would ensue. But what? So the the crucial question is this: What? Why did you say yes? Uh, I think this gets at the core of this, what we're doing here. Well, because I well, I didn't know everyone who was on the trip, but I knew of everyone. I, I was friends with most of the people, and then there were a few people who I hadn't met, but I, I was familiar with. And I think maybe all but one 
we'd all met in uh, Vegas uh, just like a couple of months earlier to kind of plot plot stuff and and a guy um uh the guy who kind of like put the route together or or mapped the route he'd done um i don't know ski ski trips he put ski trips together ski tours or he was uh rest search and rescue or something on shasta like everybody Mm. everybody who was involved in the trip was was pretty crafty you know like everybody kind of knew what they were doing there was no dead weight well okay one of the guys from mission um from mission workshop he was a uh he's a super cool guy but he was the one at one point like everybody kind of had their own little freak out their own little meltdown Mm -hmm. and he was riding a loaned cielo bike really nice bike with you know we all had brand new bags and Relevate Designs, I think is what the company was called. Like we had cool stuff and a lot of it was flowed to us. And at one point he, I remember he just flipped, like he just snapped and hucked his bike off the side of this trail, like way down in the woods. And the rest of us were like, and I I understood because it was really stressful. You know, I kept, I got, I got swarmed by yellow jackets on like the fourth day. So my feet and my legs were just shredded from like bushwhacking. So I'm bleeding from my knees to my ankles, which are the size of my calves. My shoes are tattered. You know, we get to the, the last day, I think we walked 10 and a half hours and we get to the end of the trail where we were supposed to find the road and it's getting dark it's like you know six o'clock five o'clock we get to the end of the trail and it just dead ends in this river there's no (laughs) there's no road there's no parking lot there's no you know it was so it was so fucking gnarly um but we were like when when uh when lyle pitched his bike off the side of the trail we're like okay um now what do we do like we have to we have to go get your bike you know, just sit down and take a breath. Like we, it was all, we were all talking each other off of the ledge, like constantly, you know, and everybody's a pretty, everybody's generally a really happy go lucky type of person. But this trip just kind of broke everybody, everybody's spirits to some degree or another. Yeah. It, it has, um, uh, shades of Gilligan's Island, um, Lord of the flies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lost in space. There's a lot of, yeah, Lost in Space is, is, uh, is that's an accurate, uh, comparison. I mean, it was fucking scary, you know, like it was scary. And, and it, we, I don't think at any point I ever thought we're really, well, when we got into that one dead end, when we were like wishing for sat phones, I thought we might be pretty fucked. This is, now let me just say for the record, this is oh, the second use eesh, of really? the salty. Yeah, I got that second one, but I didn't. Mr. Sorry. Knievel, get it, get yourself uh, in hand. I put so much soap in my mouth. Anyway, <clears throat> so that was the trip that when I read the notes this morning, that was the trip that came to mind. It was, uh, uh, it was a doozy. And my mind, came out of it the other side. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't do it. It was so fun. You didn't want to do it again. Uh-uh. You didn't even want to. They were like, hey, we have a new idea. And you were like, nope. nope. <laughs> Everybody else <laughs> chimed in on this email thread and they said, um, people were like, yeah, I'm in. And or some people said, oh, I'd love to, but I got to, I got to work that week or whatever. And then I think I was the, the last person to, to respond to the email. And I just said, no, 
I don't, I don't have anything going on that week, but I, I don't want to go. <laughs> I just think your asking. idea is terrible. That's the, that's the <laughs> yeah. thing. Because who knows? You, you're, you're, you're posing it like it's going to be some fun jaunt. through the, And that's what I wanted to do initially. You know, they said, like, we want to send you on a trip and you can test out this these new uh, this new clothing or these new those new shorts or what bags or whatever it was that we got from them. And, and I said... You know, of course, like we can do a Western spirit trip where we just ride mountain bikes and that's all we have to do. And But no, this is like a like a fight for survival. A survivalist. I wanna, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. That's I don't want to do Chernobyl 2.0. And then when uh, Daniel and Kyle put together this really cool report and put it on the Yonder Journal site. But then because we were riding on federal land and had broken all kinds of like pretty <laughs> insane laws, they they had to pull it down. So like I don't even know if there's documentation of any of the trip at this point. It was good. It was like good article. I wrote. A I mean, part it all it. sounds Daniel like lies to me. <laughs> none, none of it. None of it happened. So that's my that's my, you know, whatever, 18 minute long story about nothing. My. My first thought when, and I devised the topic, uh, but I actually devised the topic without thinking, do I have any <laughs> good <laughs> stories? But then when I read the notes, I was like, um, I, well, so I grew up on the Gulf of Mexico. I grew up in that little um, tail of Alabama that sticks down and touches the Gulf of Mexico. And that's, so we um, were. That's like that? practically not even in American territory anymore. Yes, yeah. that's, that's deep. That is deep. That is the deep south. Uh, I remember when we moved there, we drove into town and I saw the heart of Dixie Inn and it had this giant neon heart. And even when I was like seven years old, I was like, what the F word is this? But anyway, <laughs> so uh, my friend Bobby is funny. Actually, his name is Bobby Lee. His last name is Lee. But whenever in the south people asked him what his name was he'd say my name is bobby lee and they'd say bobby lee what and he'd say you redneck it's bobby <laughs> lee <laughs> is it what was the town i'm looking at a map Mo right now. mobile alabama oh okay yeah yeah yeah. but so bobby had this old boat that and having a boat when you live there is like having a dirt bike when you live in evergreen colorado do you know what i mean yeah, well, I mean, geez, there's so much, there's so many little inlets and all kinds of kooky stuff. I, yeah. Yeah, of course. You can go as far north as you want to. Really. You could do, you could do crazy things. So anyway, he had this old boat and it was always a challenge to get the boat started. But we used to take the boat and we'd go out into mobile bay and like a mile offshore there was a beacon uh like a ship's beacon and it was up on this really high platform it was it had to be 30 feet yeah it's easily 30 feet maybe more and to get on top you had to climb like it had these cross braces so you had to kind of like walk like like uh, like a monkey climb climbing a a, a palm tree up, mm -hmm. uh, and everything was covered in seagull s word and okay. okay yeah so you would get to the top with your hands and feet caked in seagull s word 
and you kind of had to do this rock climbing move like a mantle up to get onto the platform which was probably two inches thick with seagull guano so and you're already i mean you're in you're in potential peril just because of the environment that you're in but you're also dealing with this stuff that's that's totally caustic oh it's so gross but so you would take the boat up and like whichever way the current was going you tie off to one corner of the beacon and then you would climb it covering yourself with uh feces and you'd get to the top and you would look off and you know how things look much taller when you're standing on them than when you're looking at them yeah so you would get up there and you'd be like now i understand why the seagulls um defecate up here because i'm about to and you would look <laughs> off and you know like hu- that's hurricane alley right so the so the beacon has been destroyed several times so you look down off the top and there's all these like pilings and old pieces of it um like sticking up at angles so you're like well we came up here to jump off this thing but and it's really terrifyingly tall and also surrounded by things that will kill you if you land on them yeah but bobby was like this is gonna be great (laughs) and um so we jumped off of it and i didn't die um but did i mean i feel like that's that's got um that's that's the kind of place that you're gonna hear stories like once a year somebody impales themselves you know yeah like you're not supposed to be out there they make i'm sure they make every effort to make it difficult which only increases the interest and the challenge when you're a knucklehead kid like well of course if there's a sign that says i shouldn't do something that's exactly the thing i want to do i don't even recall there being a sign because i think if you just looked at it you would think well nobody (laughs) is stupid enough to do that and when i think about it like just the climb to get on the top had the potential for death like four different ways yeah um and so then you jump off at one time and you get that rush right of like oh my god i did it and then you're immediately like i'm gonna do it again (laughs) of course i mean there's nothing like pushing the limits right like you've got to you that's do it once and you survive uh that's that's an accident you do it twice and survive then that is oh you're you're a genius skill right yeah yeah Yeah. well then so you do it a couple times basically we did it until we got tired uh because the climb was an ordeal and then um i was like well i survived that that was great but then a a friend of ours came down and we were like you know what we need to do Uh, so it turned into a, like a repeated thing, but I don't know how I, no one died. I, and also I think there are so many mishaps <clears throat> there along the coast of everywhere on earth yeah. that I'm sure people died there and it didn't make the paper. Because sure it becomes, the, it became such a regularly, like a regular occurrence. Like, I, yeah. I think the coast guard was probably like, well, get the net. There's another one. Yeah. Uh, I think that um, uh, what was I going to say? The 
Oh, I've, I've long held the theory that like, if you make it out of your, make it to like 25 or 30 years old, you know, like, but if you make it from between 18, 17 years old, 16, let's say 16, cause that's when you like generally traditionally get a driver's license, like you live until you're 30, like you're, you're that block of time, you're totally invincible. Like there's nothing can kill you. If you have if you made it to 30 with both of your eyes and all your fingers and toes <laughs> intact, yeah. and your, most of your teeth, like you're skating for another, I don't know, for five or five or 10 years. And then you all of a sudden have to worry about prostate cancer and or right. colon cancer or various things, you know, but like that little window is that's, that's the golden window of, of nothing can, nothing can hurt you. Nothing can touch you. I think that's also like, you could think of it as like the Darwinian filter, right? <laughs> yeah. Basically Darwin is just pulling, filtering people out of the gene pool. <clears throat> he can't jump off the beacon. Uh, I do. I do quite enjoy all of the fail videos of people, you know, people like clearly you have not um, you've not done more than like put uh, lit a cigarette and put it to your mouth in the the entirety of your life. But now you think you can uh, parasail. Like, or, you know, like, like you have, you, you know, you know, the, the, how much, a uh, 48 ounce cup of, uh, you know, Mountain Dew weighs, but not your own, not how much you weigh. So do you think you can actually hold on to a rope swing oh, until yeah. you make it to the apex of the swing and drop oh, into yeah. the river, whatever, where people yeah. is just like, you have no physical awareness. Yeah. No physical awareness. No, and then you're gonna do something that actually takes some fortitude, and you just get waxed. You know. Do you ever, when you find yourself in those moments, because I've seen you jump off things. You like to jump off a thing. Oh, I, I love. I I've spent more time jumping off things, I think, than standing on solid ground. I love. <laughs> I, I've probably in the last twenty years of my life, have probably fallen like a billion vertical feet. <laughs> Yeah, I love jumping off of things. I like to jump off things too. My wife is like, "Don't do!" Oh no, my god. Yeah, uh, but I'm like, I mean, but I do. I have this moment of pause where I'm like, "Wait a minute, am I the guy in the fail video?" I definitely think like, I think I understand physics. Yeah, but dude, you know, especially as you get older, you're like, maybe the physics I understood before is not the physics now. <laughs> I don't think that there's much, I don't think there's much variation in that. I mean, I know you say that sort of facetiously, but if you, because we use our bodies so much and because we spend time kind of flinging ourselves through space, (laughs) you know, I'm no gymnast. I would probably be in a lot better physical condition if I was a gymnast, because I would always know which way was down and which way was up. Right. But I do know from having fallen in some capacity or another for most of my life, I know how to fall. Like I know how to take a hit. And, um, I think that applied, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're throwing yourself off into space and, and testing gravity, you know what you're doing. I can't do like my, and my backflips, like my backflips are terrible. My backflips are so ugly. My vaults are ugly. My front flips are ugly. My dives are off terrible, worse than ugly. But but you complete them all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I might I might end up with some bruising, some stingy. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I never like, I never hit my, like throw myself against the rocks or anything. So the message is never stop jumping off things. Yeah. 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 I, and, and you know, like I see, I see people doing like 60 foot jumps and quarries are off of cliffs in Acapulco or something. And I'd like, that's way, way beyond my capabilities. But I do like, you know, like I'd say probably like the highest I've ever done is maybe, maybe 30 feet. Yeah. Same. Which is, same. you know, like a couple second free fall. Oh, here's a, here's a cool story. So everybody knows uh, Casa Bonita in Denver, probably f- because of the South Park cartoon. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Casa Bonita is, it's a Mexican restaurant that it looks like a big, uh, uh, you know, like Spanish style mission, a uh, big pink building. It's in Lakewood, actually not in Denver. Um, and the food is uh, historically bad. <laughs> the last time I was there was probably eight years ago, and it was def- it was stunningly <laughs> inedible. But anyway, so that was a really fun place to go when I was small. And there's a waterfall in there, and there and there they have like fire jugglers and cliff divers, and there's a, a lagoon, and you eat around this this the, the restaurant the the dining portion of this place is all around this waterfall and then there's like the abandoned mine uh themed dining room and there and nobody ever eats in there i've never seen it but you can go explore this big building there's the cave dining room there's like the riverboat uh, sh- uh stage like theater d- themed dining room it's just so random and weird and um and there's like Black Bart's Cave and you can go through there and there's like the bottomless pit and you walk across this bouncing bridge and stuff. It's a little kid's dream. It's super fun when you're little. Uh, and then when you're like a 14 year old, then you get into trouble because you start exploring all of these ducts and uh, passageways that you're not supposed to go into. Um, and uh, Trey Parker, from who was the co-creator of, of South Park and his partner, Matt Stone, just bought Casa Bonita, I read recently. Did one of them graduate from your high school? Yeah, Trey Parker was a year above me. Mm. I didn't know. I didn't really. We didn't run in the same circles. I didn't. I knew of him. I'd seen him around. It wasn't a huge school, but but we weren't friends. Um. Uh. Anyway, uh, it's um, it's long been a dream of mine to pitch myself off of one of the elevated dining areas into the lagoon. <laughs> Like, like, and I, the last time I was there, I was sitting at this one table, like I had a clear shot. Yeah. Right. And, um, a friend of mine in Colorado eventually sold, he sent me a story that was written by a guy who did just that. It it very well could have been from the place where I was eating. And I just like, I was just consumed with jealousy. Like this guy did the thing that I wanted to do my entire life, but as the story goes, he, so he throws himself off. He's bum rushed by security out of every corner of the of the restaurant, and they take him. They kind of strong arm him, kind of rough him up. Take you know he's soaking wet, and they take him into this back room and they sit there and they call the Lakewood police. And the police come, and they handcuff him, and he, you know, the cop is like, "We'll t- I'll take it from here. Like I'm gonna get this scuff out of your hair. Good good work, citizens." And this whole thing takes him out, puts him in his car, drives him a block away opens the back door takes the cuffs off and he's like that 
and I'm going to break my rule for the third time. The cop said, according to this guy, that was fucking sweet. I wanted to do that my entire life. He's like, no, but get out of here. Like, don't walk back that direction. Never go into that restaurant again. Yeah. But the cop was hyped. Yeah. And let him go. That's like, you know, I, I love that. I, I love like in the, I love an escape video when, uh, somebody pulls off a killer trick and the cops that are about to kick them out are like, that was that, you know, like the cops are stoked. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't really happen that often. I think no. generally cops are pretty bummed. If I did it and I got, a, I got picked up, I would be the one cop who hated cliff jumping and never been to Casa Bonita and had never heard of it. And just straight to was... the supermax for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I know well enough, I don't want to be in the system. I don't want to be a part of the system, but I do like, I'm going to do it someday. That's going to happen. That's so when that's you've been there and you've eyeballed it, what's kept you from doing it? Not wanting Reason. to get arrested <laughs> reason. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I am, I am, I'm 95% committed, but then there's that 5%, like I'm going to case it, you know, like I'm going to hit the side and I'm going to be paralyzed. And then what kind of a story yeah. am I going to like, Oh, Hey, Hey, you know, how'd you break you your back? Die. Well, I jumped off the, the, at the <laughs> table at Caspanita and I landed on this rocks, whatever. Yeah. But now there's somebody that I'd like, you know, I went to high school with is the owner that gives me even more flexibility to go in and they pull yeah. me in and I was like, yo, I know your boss, even though I don't, <laughs> but <laughs> I can, tr I can try and say it. What, what do you think? I mean, do you think if you called him and was like, Trey, uh, I'm going to jump off the balcony <laughs> of your restaurant. <laughs> it'd be like a make a wish foundation. Yeah. Like, I'm, well, uh, I just, do, do you think he's cool or do you think, I mean, you know, money changes everything. Do you think he's like, I think it's no, cool. you know, you, those two guys are in there jumping off the, the uh, into the lagoon like all the time, like turn the, you know, the, yeah. the closed sign gets turned and the door gets locked. And then it's like, OK, everybody jump off the cliff. You know, right. I'm, sh I'm sure that I'm sure they've already done it. Mm. I mean, hell, for all I know, the guy who wrote the story when he got picked up by the cops, it could have been one of those two guys. Anyway, I have no, I have no <laughs> idea. It was a long time. It was like, you know. 11 or 12 years ago and I've tried to find this story since but have uh, it's been lost to the, the winds of the internet yeah uh, there was you know there's lots of there's lots of crazy, crazy shit it's all kind of relative like the big ones uh, there's the little ones the, the ones where you just kind of you know kind of escape by the skin of your teeth and then look back on it and think there's no reason that that should have gone as Worked well out. as it did yeah, yeah. It's usually involved. There was a thing. I was actually just told my chiropractor. Oh, and I, I realized last episode that was published, episode eight, I had just started seeing my chiropractor and I referred to him as Mark Noble, which was not right. His name is Steve Noble. Uh, and I just I just met him um, at the time. And so I got his, I got his name wrong. Anyway, I got to clarify that. Now, yeah. for anyone who needs a chiropractor in, in Bellingham. Oh, Dr. Steve Noble. He's a he's a miracle worker. Yeah. But I was just telling him this story yesterday. There was a there was a uh, used to be a thing that happened in Boulder around Halloween called the mall crawl. And it was basically like a hundred thousand drunk people packed into this pedestrian mall called the Pearl Street Mall where uh, Mork and Mindy remember 
work at Mindy. Yeah. The yep. music store that Mindy's dad owned. Remember, he had, she had the dad who loved uh, classical music, and the and the like the grandma who loved rock and roll. I think. <laughs> anyway, that was on Pearl Street Mall. So when I I just turned eighteen, I was a senior in high school, and we went to the mall crawl, and I hadn't been there before, and uh, I I drank a little too much. And we're packed in just like, it's just this crush of humanity and people are like climbing up buildings and hanging from traffic lights. And it's, it's total pandemonium. And I remember running with my friend, Allison, who was actually just in town with her kids. Uh, and I barfed like while we were running and I was like barfing <laughs> on her shoes and that was sort of cemented our friendship, but they put me up. They propped me up in front of this little half wall in front of the daily camera building, which is on, I think the, I don't know, the North end of Pearl street mall. I don't know directions. And they said, we're going to go find Mr. Raybold, who is our photography teacher. And we had run into him earlier. She just reminded me of this a couple of days ago. They were going to go find the teacher to help with the situation. Like, what do we do with our stupid drunk friend? That seems like a terrible idea. Go on. It was the best. It was the best option we had at the time. Okay. They said okay. if the cops come, tell them you're waiting for your girlfriend. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Cool. And I promptly passed out. And the mm. next thing I know, I'm stood up and I've got cuffs on. And I was like, well, it's too late to tell them I'm waiting for my girlfriend. Like I should have done <laughs> that. Shift <laughs> out. I, I should have done that. You know, 45 seconds ago. The universal get out of jail free card. I'm waiting for my girlfriend. Yeah, but also when they come up and they like tap you with their baton or whatever, like, hey, are you okay? And you look up and you're like, oh yeah, I'm totally fine. I'm waiting for my girlfriend. Okay, carry on. But instead, I'm like, they put my 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 uh, you know deceased dead my dead weight body like upright, put cuffs on, and then I come to him like, oh wait, no, I'm waiting for my girlfriend. So I knew I couldn't do that. They took a picture of me. I remember they took a Polaroid. And he said he was going to take a picture of me. And I remember saying, should I smile? Because I thought that was a funny question. <laughs> and I saw the picture and it was just this, you know, like, like wilting doe face. Just, my whole face was barely the grimace. And they put me in a car with a woman who like had a, she, I remember she had a bunch of weeds in her hair, like a bunch of grass in her hair. Like she had obviously fallen asleep in a field or something. And mm. she was super angry. And she was yelling and swearing and yelling at me and don't look at me and fuck F you and oh. eat ass and all this stuff. Oh. And, uh, and I, and I didn't feel very well. And I was thinking to myself, if she keeps yelling. I'm going to be sick again, I think. <laughs> so they, they take us to Boulder County detox yeah. and they, I get processed. I get cuffed. I'm sitting on the floor and they, I get cuffed to this gate, this fencing th stuff. And, and then they put me in this room with all these other drunk kids and the next day, I had to blow, blow, blow a clean breathalyzer before they'd release me. But I knew I was kind of the top click. With, the clock was ticking because um, uh, if because I would miss my ride, so I needed to get back to the hill in Boulder before my friends left. Because then I was going to have to call my parents, and they would have to drive up to Boulder, and it was going to be this whole thing. Like so far, I was in the clear, but it was a you know it was a delicate dance I was doing. Uh, and yeah, I can so still get I, away with this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that I finally, I blow a clean breathalyzer. They let me go. Um, 
and I go out and I see there's this guy in a yellow Volkswagen and he, a Volkswagen bug, and he offers to give me a ride back to the hill. And we were talking about the Bay Area and I said, my sister went to Cal Berkeley and I had just lived out there the previous summer and I wanted to go back to the Bay Area. And he's like, ah, oh. and, and I, he could tell I was, in, I was distressed, you know, like I was mm. scared. I, this was a big experience I'd never had before and was nervous about, you know, the whole thing. And he's like, man, I went to Berkeley in, in the sixties. Uh, he, he's like, I was there for four and a half years. And I don't remember any of it. <laughs> you're you're going to be, you're going to be fine. You know, just like, don't worry about it. This is just kind of, you know, one of the, this is just the spice of life. One of yeah. these, one of those experiences that you'll talk about on a podcast in 35 years. Right. And, uh, that so guy he drops, did the podcast. Amazing. <laughs> he, he drops me off at the hotel. My friends are still there. They drive me back to Evergreen. My mom comes and picks me up. And I just am thinking like, I can't believe I got away with this. Like, this is like the crime of the century i'm so psyched and they went to dinner that night i remember sitting in the chair downstairs watching tv and on the news like every if in my memory it was every news channel like all at the same time uh it's like well here's highlights from last night's mall crawl and it's just shot after shot after shot me cuffed me getting put in the van me at the deep me at the drunk tank and um somehow they never saw it. Their friends never saw it. I got away with it. And oh, I, f- I finally awesome. told them about it, like when I was in college. And, and uh, a little side, like footnote, my, my dad, you know, at my wedding when the people were giving speeches and stuff, my dad was like, well, I knew when he got arrested the first time and uh, he, he like made it out of the whole process and the whole experience, you know, and we never knew. And he, he, he handled it all himself. I knew he was going to be OK. And I could feel <laughs> my mother and father-in-law like sitting right behind me, just like staring, burning holes in the back of my head. But, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, you got out of Darwin, you got, you, you snuck through Darwin's filter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose so. I mean, I would have been grounded. My parents would have been super bummed if they'd had uh, to deal with that. I didn't get grounded once the entire time I was in high school. I was this, I, I mean, a lot of that's luck because I mean, I did terrible, terrible things yeah, all the time. Older brother though. Yeah. I did have an older brother who really burned down the forest before I even learned how to light a match. Yeah, that's, I think, a component. I don't know how you, how, what kind of parent you are or how you interact with your kids, but it seems like the first one always gets the brunt. And the second one is just like, whatever, man, you want to eat, you want to drink bleach? Go for it. I don't care. Uh, Yeah, as a parent, I try to give. I, I make wide lanes for my kids with mm-hmm. very hard edges. You know, as an example. That's a good descriptor. Yeah. I tell them, um, you know, I know you're going to, at some point you're going to drink and at some point you're going to smoke weed. And because, you know, people experiment with these things. And I, so just, you know, keep me in the loop. Let me know what you're thinking about that stuff. And we won't have, we won't have problems. But if you ever take a pill that someone offers you any pill, no matter where it comes from, I'm going to murder you. I will yeah. murder you. You, I will drive you to jail. Um, you know, so I try to just like give them the room to make mistakes, but, but let them know what's, what I really, really, what are the no goes for me? Um, huh. because if they, and I, I come up against this all the time. I say to them, like, 
they'll, they'll say to me like, dad, I don't smoke, like these aren't, I'm not interested in that. And I have teenagers, right? And I'm like, I just don't understand because when I was your age, I was a criminal. <laughs> I just don't understand how to interact with my kids in that way. Because the, I, by the time I was their age, I could have been arrested for drunk driving and I'm not trying to, b- before I say any more, I don't want to like glorify or like think that drunk driving is funny because it's not. But I mean, when I was 16 and 17, it was like a way of life. Yeah. Well, living in a rural area too, it's almost like there there was no Uber. There wasn't, you know, yeah. like every time you're at a party 20 minutes away and you're housed, you're going to call your yeah. parents and, and, you know, realistically I would get real as a parent, I would get really tired of constantly having to go pick up my drunk kid. But the inverse of that is that I would be extra super tired of having to bury them or any of their friends or, or yeah. be party to them, you know, someone else having to bury their kid or one of their loved ones because of a bad decision my kid made. You know, I I'll, I would go pick up my drunk kid every night of the week for the rest of my life if that if I meant if it meant I could avoid that. But you're Absolutely. also kind of enabling at that point. I mean, what, what, what do I know? Like, I don't have any kids that I know. No, of. I think that's right. I mean, I, I I say to them like, if you find yourself in trouble. Or in a situation, uh, you know, I'll come get you. No questions. No, always, no questions. Always, no trouble. Always. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you know, when I was their age, there was the drunk driving. There was drunk on boats. There was drunk like in the ocean. There was um, drunk and f- um, shooting fireworks at each other for fun. Yeah. There yeah. was there were so many opportunities for emergency rooms or morgues. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, okay. Like, you know, it's like listening to you say that. It's like, oh, that's terrible. But also, like, I still do that, all of those things. <laughs> but in a more maybe. mature and measured and experienced way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's a little, uh, there's, there's some, there's some reservation and it's not just blindly marching into, um, uh, into uh, these sort of chaotic situations where I, you know, I've got some experience. I'm better here's at it wh- now. Here's what I can tell you. When someone is shooting f- fireworks at you, what I've noticed is that the, the instant reaction is to run. And I'll tell you from experience, that's a mistake. You got to turn and face the bottle rocket or the Roman candle or whatever it is, because they actually don't move that fast. What you don't want is to be running away and get hit in the back of the head. Or, you know, uh, have something hot hit your cotton sh- T-shirt. Mm, mm-hmm. You want to face that thing. <clears throat> and then also when you're facing the person shooting fireworks at you, you can see when the opportunity is for you to return fire because you do have to make ev- evasive maneuvers. But, you know, you the best o- uh, defense is a good offense. See, this is a, this is another uh, parenting skill, uh, you know, a, or a life lesson rather, because you're on one hand, you're saying wide road with very defined parameters, uh, I think, or boundaries <clears throat> yeah. that you'd set for your kid. But then you also can teach them the best way to get into bottle rocket wars. 
Yeah. Yeah. And if my kids got into bottle rocket wars, look, I know that's dangerous. Again, don't sue us. I'm not advocating for humans to shoot bottle rockets at each other, except that it's pretty fun. (laughs) And And don't hide under trampolines either. That's the other thing, because those things just burn holes right through the the trampoline. Yeah. And you're going to get hit anyway. And then you're going to have to replace the trampoline. Not that I have any practical experience with that. There's some... Yeah, there there's potential there's potential for problems, but I also think it it's it's uh it sharpens your <laughs> sharpens your reactions and um you know, if you hit your friend uh with a bottle rocket, like especially center of the chest and it like yeah. bounces, like it bounces off and then it yeah. goes off, like that is so mint. That's it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's so it's so fun. And again, like the fact that we, you know, are sitting here with our eyes and our fingers and everything intact is something of a miracle. Well, you know, here in our defense, I'll say laser tag hadn't been invented yet. Yeah. So but BB we, guns, you put, you know, you put no, on yeah. like a bunch of shirts and goggles and in and, yep. and a jacket and a couple pairs of pants and you go have BB gun wars. Yeah. That's hilarious. Protect your eyes. Always protect your eyes. Protect your soft parts. And yeah. inevitably, no matter how many clothes you have on, the BB will find a way to find that one yeah. inch of bare skin. Yeah. It's, Ouch. It's, it's the best. I love it. I told my dad, I was at the single speed, mountain bike, single speed worlds, whatever. And, uh, uh, 99, I guess it was the one down in Southern California. And we were hanging out, this guy, Kenny, was, Kenny was one of the people who organized it. And there was, you know, it's a party, whatever, not even really a party. It's probably like 30 or 40 of us hanging out in this backyard in this fire. And I did see a picture of somebody, there's like a jogging trampoline that had been thrown in the fire. And this guy, Duncan was doing a somersault over the trampoline Whatever. I don't remember any of that stuff actually happening. That's, that's why it's good to always take pictures. But I had a couple of packs of bottle rockets and I threw them in the fire. Oh, yeah. Coined the term grab bag because you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. And uh, I told my dad about it at some point. I was like, oh, it was hilarious. And it did the grab bag and threw some bottle rockets in the fire. And he spent a bunch of time working in Yellowstone back in the, I don't know, I guess the early 60s. He and his cousin worked out there and Mm -hmm. had a ton of fun and drank a ton of beer and got into all kinds of trouble. But he told me about how they used to do the same thing, but they would throw pieces of oil shale or uh, just a handful of bullets into the fire. They thought that was super fun. Yeah. So I was like, Jesus, I don't, I mean, the apple obviously didn't fall very far from the tree, but here I am thinking that I come up with something cool and my dad is doing it in ways that could actually be potentially lethal. Yeah, for yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah wow. and he'd say, you know, you'd throw 10 bullets in and you'd think that you had heard 10 oh. shots. You know, he had a hat that he wore for years that had a bullet hole in the top of it. And it was oh, ha- hanging in a tree and a bullet went through it. But that was like his, his old cowboy hat that he wore. Wow. It's funny. Yeah. So I think maybe, I don't know. Everybody I know, my friends and family, have all engaged in questionable hijinks, questionable decisions. It's a, it's a, uh, maybe it's kind of a rite of passage. Uh, you know, maybe it's uh, human nature to kind of push the envelope of reason and safety. Here's what I think. It's just a quality of who the kind of company we keep. There's that. I think I think here's what I think. I think 
that even though we don't talk about it very much, we recognize on some level, and this definitely blossoms in your brain when you're a teenager, that life is F-wording absurd, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, like when you're a teenager, you're in school, and if you're like me, you're not that interested in it. And, you know, you have to do all this stuff to achieve these things that you're not interested in. And and it's absurd. And I think the only sane reaction to that level of absurdity is to engage in absurd behavior. It's almost like, oh, this is bat S word crazy. So let's just let's just throw a pack of bottle rockets in a, in a campfire and see what happens. Right. It's almost like you want to. I don't know. Uh, Fighting absurdity with absurdity. Yeah, I think that's what it is. That's it for me. I mean, I think I still am very committed to the dumb idea. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a good enough dumb idea, but I think I think that's just about embracing how absurd trying to get get along in the world is. Yeah, and, and it's also <laughs> hilarious. But when you're when you're young and you're learning about the world and you're learning about you as a social creature and you're learning about, you know, where you fit in and stuff, you it's like testing boundaries is a total it's a normal thing. And you know, and some people might argue like, oh, it's just it's just like it's it helps you feel alive, you know, to do something maybe a little uh unsafe or maybe a little yeah. unreasonable. Because I mean any of us who who ride bikes and put ourselves into situations where we kind of, you know, our butts pucker a little bit. Cause it's, you know, the, you know, the downside, you know, the pitfall, you know what you're risking. Yep. And, uh, and then also, you know, the reward is so fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but that, you know, the older you get, and after I blew my knee out, I've had years, we've talked about this and in, in the, I think we had an injury episode. Um, I blew my knee out and that like really changed my perspective of, of stuff. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to push, put, I don't want to push the envelope and then wind up on a, on a like bedridden, you know, yeah. have surgery and, and all that stuff. Cause that is super unpleasant. So learning about the, the, what is it? The consequence, <laughs> the consequences. <laughs> what are they called? <laughs> I don't know. I've not heard of that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think the stupidity now is conceptual <clears throat> as much as it is physical. Like I'm doing, I, I, I've reined it in physically a bit. I'm more into conceptual stupidity now. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. I would like one because that's just thinking of, that's, I mean, a concept, you're, it's, it's a concept so you think of the thing that could cause you harm, but you don't actually do the thing that could cause you no, harm? No, no. I mean, just choosing to do something stupid, even though it might not be dangerous. That's what I mean. Like, you're still making a dumb, like, this is dumb. <laughs> Why are you doing this? But, you know, I'm down with that. <clears throat> but it's not dangerous, you know? It, like, <sighs> I mean, here's a, here's a lame example, but I was running that ultramarathon a few weeks ago, and I was absolutely beyond shelled. I was like, I was nothing. I was dust. 
I was dust in motion. That's uh-huh. what I was. I was completely, and I got to the aid station and they had a lot of things that would have helped me, but I picked up the moon pie and ate it. And my friends were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm trying to make the dumbest possible choice because where we are right now is so stupid. This is stupid. 24, 25 miles into this stupid thing. Actually, it wasn't even that far. It was 20 miles in. And I was like, I'm going to eat the moon pie. And they were like, that's gross. And I was like, yep, 100% it is. Yeah. But, at that point, you're just kind of making it hard. You know, you're like maybe yep. making it harder on yourself. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I'll show you. I'll poke me in the eye. I think I feel that sometimes. <laughs> Definitely. Would you say that it's human nature or would you say that this is, like I mentioned a second ago, this is just a component of our ilk or who we are, the, I think, the company we keep? Because yeah, it sure I seems mean, it's a real common thing for the people that I know. Like, yeah, I, I, it's the hijinks and the, and the knuckleheadedness is it abounds. Well, I think you... We've talked about this a ton, right? The the attraction of riding bikes, this is in large part like to find out where things are, like to explore, right? To explore, to have an adventure. And I think, yes. so, you know, like we used to walk along with my friends. We're walking along. How, you know, we didn't, we were young. We didn't have driver's license. We were just walking. Yeah, we're walking. That's so boring. We, we've already know what it's like walking. Here we go. Walk, walk, walk. But if you drop a pack of bottle rockets on the ground that are lit in the middle of the, you know, group of you. That makes the walk super fun. Then the walk is super interesting. <laughs> What's yeah. going to happen now? Yeah. And I think that's what it is. I think it's like uh, it, there's the boredom is part of it, but it's also an adventure. Huh. But I, <clears throat> I don't know that I don't know that everybody I don't think everybody feels the same way that again, that's sort of what I was sort of, I don't know, touching on a second ago is that it's it's out. It's it's who we are and it's who our friends are and it's who the yeah. people we associate with are. But it's not who your average Jane or Joe is, I don't think. You know, and then and then that's how you end up with videos of people who never do anything and then decide that they have the physical oh, yeah. aptitude and and physical understanding and strength and strength and everything to like, yeah, I'm going to do a rope swing or I'm going to go parasailing or right. I'm going to go bungee jumping, which you don't really have to do anything, I guess, except for just like hang there. But I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I I don't know what I don't. I, I can't really speak to why. What I'll call more cautious people remain so cautious. Like I'm, I'm fifty. God, it would have been really boring without hijinks. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. don't. I also have this theory that I call the smoking cigarettes theory, and I shared it with my kids in order to convince them not to smoke cigarettes not that they're eager to do that because kids aren't anymore but here's my theory about why i smoked cigarettes and why in the 80s and earlier and later i guess that was that seemed like a really important thing to do for a teenage kid it's 
it's that you can't express your personal autonomy. You can't express your independence by doing what everyone else wants you to do. You know, you can't be like, I'll show you I'm my own person by getting straight A's. Like, that's that's what people want you to do. So in order to show people that you're making your own choices, you have to choose to do bad things. Hmm. Or, or, well, not, maybe not necessarily bad things, but you do things that are socially, uh, uh, needling, you know, like, uh, I've had a lot of conversations with some of, well, I've had conversations, not a lot, but I've had conversations with some of my transgender friends and, and I think, and parents of transgender kids and and such and there's it's uh, it's kind of like i mean i think that could fit under that sort of umbrella because this is a frontier that previous generations haven't necessarily explored gender identity is not a is not, it wasn't a really a thing when say we were kids and right. so this is like pushing these social boundaries and it's obviously uh, uh, sort of a natural expression. Yeah. And Uh, terrifying and thrilling. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I don't know, I don't know what, what gender identity, gender politics, gender fluidity. I don't know what that's going to uh, develop into. Socially, I think it's I think it's super cool, by the way, if I don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon who's like, I don't understand these kids and the boys and the boys and the girls and the girls. And there's just you know, there's no, you know, binary, there's non-binary because that's not it at all. I don't I think it's I think it's awesome. Um, but as you were just saying, like you, you do the thing as a kid, you, you, you are drawn to the thing that you're that is not the standard. Right. And I feel, feel like that's a big part of, of what we're... Yeah, there, there was definitely a sense of separating myself from other people, you know, through my behavior by saying, like, I am not like you. And I still have that in the sense, like, I go to, like, my kid, my younger son is a freshman this year. So they had, like, an eighth grade, like, leaving middle school ceremony and last summer, whenever that was, uh, last... Yeah, you know, when that thing happens. But anyway, so we went to it (laughs) and you look around at all the other parents and you're like, this is a bunch of like gray, paunchy people like this. These people look terrible. And then I'm like, well, I jump off things. I don't know what these people do, but I jump off stuff. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, I think riding, I think riding bikes and riding skateboards and stuff is, is it's the fountain of youth, you know? Because yeah. everybody that everybody that I know does it, they kind of they got that sort of twinkle. And I see grownups, and I still refer to people as grown. I refer to people who are younger than me, like that, <laughs> like, who are like that. Those yeah. are grownups, and it's it's it's, it's got a real negative connotation to my yeah. mind. Yeah, uh, yeah. So always keep keep jumping off things, keep riding bikes, keep riding skateboards. Forward momentum is. I don't know if you saw the video. I just like posted this video um, the other day on 
Twitter. I put it on my site today. I put it on my site yesterday or this past weekend. Um, and it is, it's a video that DC shoes put out. Uh, and it's, it's called this two shall pass. And if you've not seen it, is Google DC shoes this too shall pass that talk about how good forward momentum is for your brain. Oh. It's necessary. Being stagnant, being still, right. it's not good. Get moving. moving forward through space. Very good. Yeah. I this is just random, but I can't do a kickflip. And I no, and I'm my age and I probably never will, but I can't imagine anything being better than doing a kickflip. And I know that there's a million tricks on every wheeled uh, t- uh, toy that humans have made, but I can't imagine anything better than doing a kickflip. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't know, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I've been skateboarding since 1983 and there yeah. was, I've never not had a skateboard since 1983. I've always right. had one. And I, you know, there was a number of years where I, <clears throat> I wasn't sessioning. I wasn't, you know, like going to the park or going to the ramp or going to the parking lot or whatever, but I always had one and I always rode one and I have never, I've <laughs> never done a kickflip. And I was going to be, I was going to be, you know, that was going to be what I was going to do by, by 50 and now 50 is coming gone. And so that's what I'm going to do by the time I'm 60, but I don't try really hard. It's just, you know, I just try periodically. It probably feels really good. I'll let you know. I, in I think nine so. Years. Let me know. I'm, I mean, I, I still occasionally I'm like, I'm just going to go work on that till I get it, but I don't like broken ankles. I don't yeah, have time you for cannot, it. You can't break an ankle doing a kickflip. Kick if you anything, you're going to like get a bruised yeah. hip or a sprained wrist or something. Yeah. Just do it on carpet It's still or in front of us. I'm not, I'm not saying never. It could happen. <laughs> that's, but it's got to be a situation. rolling kickflip. I don't want to do like a lame skate stoppers um, mm, yeah. grass. I don't want that. No. It's yeah. got to be a, a rolling kickflip. I've had, I've had like friends of mine, you know, people who are like former pros they're like, is this is all you do? I'm like, I know, I know where my feet are supposed to go. I know the action. I mean, I can do it. I can, I can land front foot on, rear foot on, mm. but not both feet on at the same time. I, I call that a dad it. make. I used to when, <laughs> when I skated before. I would, and I like, uh, I would do a lame ass ollie, and like, but one of my feet would land. I'd be like, dad make. Dad That's make. it. Oh, it's just, it's pathetic. It's you know, I don't know. I got commitment issues. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the name of the, that'll be the name of this episode. Yeah. Uh, well, nice work again. Yeah. Uh, episode 15. Thank you, robot. Thank Very you, Patrick, welcome. for continuing to edit these things as we send them in. Um, thank you certainly to anybody and everybody who is coming to listen. I just listened to the eighth episode, which was published the other day. And, and I feel like we're kind of starting to, get a stride it took it took a little bit but this is hard you know having conversations where you you say like okay the clock starts on the conversation now and the clock ends here is is tricky that's harder well, than i thought it was going to be it's not like our normal conversations because it's supposed to have we're supposed to make points and stay on right. topic <laughs> right and it can't and all be about pants crapping <laughs> 
seg segue from one like like smoothly segue from one topic to the next and you know then you've just like i always just i've described it as just having a bunch of sort of ill-fitting puzzle pieces that we're trying to jam together Mm. but i feel like there's i think we're kind of we're getting it together and maybe maybe that one reviewer will give us a second chance totally unlistenable is that totally unlistenable is that totally what he said yeah yeah, I think it's Work getting better. Bad in in three important ways, <laughs> and <laughs> most of getting... the unimportant ones too. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's getting better, and I think that it is becoming more listenable. But anyway, thank you, uh, thanks to everybody who who tunes in and supports us. It is um, this is a uh, has been a fun experiment, and we appreciate we appreciate the engagement. So, how would you sign off on a day like today? Hmm, I don't know. Just keep keep moving forward. Uh, uh, keep moving forward. Uh, never stop having fun. Take care of yourselves and each other, and uh, don't forget to suck it. <laughs>